Here we go, here we go. Welcome to Police Pod Talk. Whoop, whoop, it's the police. Don't look in your rearview mirror. This podcast covers the latest police news along with hitting the hot topics you've been talking about all week. I'm your host, Cleveland. Thank you for joining us. Hey folks, again, welcome back to Police Pod Talk. I've got my buddy here with me, uh, Matt. Say hey to the people. Hey! <laughs> All right, we're going to go at it again because Matt brought up something after last week and said he wanted to talk about it this week, which was fine with me. So again, I got Matt Lewis, 25 years, retired from the Fort Wayne Police Department, talking about some uh, different issues that we didn't talk about last time, but he thought would be good to talk about this time. So we're going to go with it. Um, I... Before we get started too deep in it, which will kind of lead us into what we're talking about, Matt, did you have bad training instructors? When I say bad, did you see them do some things that you went, holy cow, I don't think I want to be part of that. <laughs> I, I did. And, you know, I I would tell people that you, you need to have bad instructors at some point and good instructors so that as you're choosing your path, you have a better ideas. like, I do not want to be like this person because mm-hmm. what they're teaching is is crazy but depending on what your level is where you're training at sometimes you just have to roll with it because to voice your opinion is to be uh you know bounced out of the academy or something like that at that point but well but you were out of the academy but you're on the street so you had what a new training officer every month is that right yeah mm-hmm for what six eight months or do you it'd be it'd be six months because i had uh, experience as a reserve i did four and uh Ooh, mr mr well, four months <laughs> you know uh, the, the thing was uh the department was so short-handed that everybody ended up i don't think every, everybody went the full six months because everybody was doing pretty well with their probationary period hmm. but the department was so short-handed it's like who oh, you need people yeah so even after your four months do you feel did you feel comfortable going out on your own um, yeah, but again, because I'd been a reserve officer, you know, it's not like it was my first day on the job, so I was a little more comfortable with it. But it, it's still different when you're on your own, and it's like the decisions I make are my decisions here, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so forth. But Right. But with, with the four training officers you had, and they always told us some are good, some are going to be bad, take a little bit from every one of them. That happened on all four of them. You took something from each one of mm-hmm. them. You didn't yep. have one that just overpowered with all good. Um, um, no, probably not, uh, because they were all experienced officers. So I think they're probably more on an even keel, uh, you know, for the amount of time that they had been on and doing it. And so, you know, there was no one that uh, that was like, man, I am going to be this person to a T. Mm-hmm. You know. So you created your own style. Yes, but that that again. You had an advantage of the reserve program mm-hmm. over a lot of new people coming out. So you were prepared for that. Okay. Yeah. Did they have training when you went through? Was it? Uh- yeah, yeah. Oh, see, okay, funny man. <laughs> we were right by each other. But yeah, we, we did six months of training. And every month you had a different training officer on a different shift. And it was all good and bad also. And all of the officers were older officers who had their own way of doing things. But. I can tell you this, none of them made you do it their way. They wanted you to cre- create your own style. They would help you along the way, yes. Was there good and bad in each one of them? Yes, there was. Um, and I can't think of one 
that we stole everything from. I mean, I even had the guy that ended up being a chief of police. Remember uh, Talmadge Neil Moore? Yeah. Not a lot of people knew what his first name was. No, no. <laughs> Talmadge. It's a biblical name, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he said he got it from down in Kentucky, but <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is everywhere. Well, so. Bible Belt down there, just saying. <laughs> well, yeah, Talmadge Neil Moore, he was one of my training officers. And even with him, I mean, I'd say a lot of it was good, but... You know, it was just yeah. We why would you ask me? Will we do we have training? What is that supposed to You're mean? You're a lot older than me. It's uh... oh my goodness. Okay, here we go. Okay, with that all being asked, to make sure we were both trained, <laughs> certified, and actually completed. <laughs> yeah, there was a situation you and I talked about. This uh, Kim Potter, she's an officer in uh, uh, Minnesota who recently uh, was found guilty. Uh, she mistaken her. Uh, firearm for a taser and she ended up uh, shooting a young man on a traffic stop we talked about that and i asked you did you ever carry a taser and you said no right i had never when the department started bringing them uh in i was up in the detective bureau and obviously the first place they should go is to uniform officers and then start you know going from there so Never carried one, as as uh, we were saying. I had never taken a a, a, a dry shock or any mm-hmm. of that either. I've never, never you, ever. You have no clue what it feels like. Nope. And they said if you wanted to carry one, you had to be tased. Correct. And so, when it was my turn, here I am. Yeah, you carried a, one, didn't a you? Smart Alec. Okay, when it was my turn, I said, look. I didn't want to get tased. Well, you're not going to get I said, you didn't shoot me with my gun for yeah. me to carry, so why are you making me get tased with it? I fought it. And they finally said, look, just take the thing. <laughs> okay. I never have felt what that feels like, but I carried one. So Really? So yeah. you didn't have to take it? Nope. Nope. Wow. Uh-huh. So, no, I did. I mean, it didn't make sense to me. You didn't beat me with my stick, my nightstick, <laughs> to say this is what it feels like. Make you do the Georgia State Police <laughs> takedown with a PR-24. Which I don't uh, think anybody don't even go there. <laughs> in Georgia has ever seen that before. <laughs> but back to uh, the former police officer, uh, Kim Potter. Um, uh, do we got a caller calling in? Is that what we have over there? <laughs> no, we can always. But give me, give me your take on how an officer can mistake the taser with a firearm i mean because they trained us you wear you carry the taser on the opposite side carry a weak hand right but you end up having you have to end up crossing over your body to draw it right what do you think how did this could have happened and could you see it happening i i can't see it happening even though we saw video that it did happen Mm -hmm. but i think uh you know one of the the things that would get frustrating over the years when we would have in-service training and all that is some people would take it serious and some people wouldn't. Right. And when you had your taser, how often did you have to resert with it? <clears throat> Never. <laughs> you would go through, you wouldn't have the same training that you would have with your firearm. Okay. There you go. So I'm going to say we did, but it was not near as much. And, but you'd have to take it out and, you know, fire it to make sure it still was actually Function, charged right. up and everything. And you put it back. So that was once a day you did that when you but nothing where you actually got to shoot it in practice. So after you were trained on it, there was no no yearly or two years or any kind of recertification with it or anything like that. Oh no, no, no. And were there scenarios set up during training days where uh, not only were there firearm shoot don't shoots, but 
during training days, were the tasers ever deployed or practiced or anything where they set up a <clears throat> scenario? Now, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I think we're seeing why Kim did what she did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, uh, the training was not geared towards that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that was. Right. But I mean, what about the feel in the hand? You think that she should have been able to tell the difference in the two? In in a a calm, non-stress situation, absolutely. Uh, I think you'd notice the difference. Uh, when you go into a high-stress situation, uh, even one of the people that he was a psychologist that the defense brought in, he was talking about muscle memory and and so forth. And you know, when we train and train and train with our firearms, you know, it, it becomes a you know kind mm-hmm. of thing that you roll through. And uh, you know, my feeling is that she got in this high-stress situation and she's yelling taser. She's clearly thinking she's going to deploy right. the taser, right. but she grabs her gun because that's what she did at all the training scenarios was draw her gun. And then when it's in her hand, although it clearly is heavier and feels different and it's uh, Glock black or blue, I don't Mm -hmm. know what that color is, versus the bright yellow, you know, she probably never even saw it in her hand, whichever Mm -hmm. it was, because she's focused on the person and where she's going to deploy the taser to. Right, right. So with with you saying that, you can see how it could be a mistake? I guess you could call it a mistake. I mean, it was not intentional. Mm -hmm. Me... Looking at it, I don't think she intentionally drew her gun to shoot him. Uh, I don't think that's the case. Uh, I think, again, she's yelling, taser, taser, taser. Right. And in the heat of things, you you know, you're not going, gun, 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 boom. Right, right. You know, you're thinking taser, but your hand's going to your gun because that's where you normally reach. Right. And, yeah, like you said, she was yelling just like in training. Mm -hmm. They teach you to yell it three times. And that's to clear everybody else away <laughs> and letting you know I have this and I yeah. can use this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So so you you were never trained with a taser, but you did see training going on when people tried to had to get a taser. No, I didn't even because where I was, you know, we were never inclusive because I was up in the detective bureau. You know, we would not be inclusive to those training days. You know, they would. Uh, select whatever group in the uniform division that was going to be uh receiving this training okay and then everybody come back and hear stories about you know how (laughs) how they how they took the shot that you didn't get yeah and they they were they were macho then yeah yeah that's right (laughs) i didn't fall down a quake (laughs) yeah so all right with what happened with what you've seen what you've read and what you've heard about this entire thing where do you believe somebody should be locked up for that? I, I there clearly needs to be some type of criminal charge. You know, looking at this uh, and not knowing the laws of Minnesota, manslaughter seemed like a good charge. You know, it comes down to intent. And for me, her intent was not to take his life. Her intent was to stop what was in front of her. And again, with her shouting, taser, 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 mm-hmm. she clearly was trying to bring him under control so that they could handcuff him and, and transport him down for the warrants that he had, uh, the active warrants that he had. Right. Um, people have blamed him. You know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. People have blamed him saying, if he wouldn't have done this, this would have never happened to him. Mm-hmm. What do you think of that? When you hear that, I think there's some truth to it because you have to react to what someone's doing. You know, if you're a police officer and you're trying to take someone into custody, custody, and they punch you in the face, um, it makes you move into a different mode. And so, 
I, I don't know if, uh, you know, they say blaming. Uh, it could be a part of an understanding. It's like, because he did that, this is why the police reacted in this way. Uh, because suddenly you've got a fleeing felon and uh, uh, you've got to stop this fleeing felon. And, you know, how could you see that that was going to happen uh, and he's going to be shot and then he's still going to try and drive away and whoever those poor people were, they're just driving down the road and this car has a head-on collision with them, you know, after he was shot. Uh, the whole thing was tragic. So, yeah, they're not blaming. There's a little bit of blame for both sides. It's a cause and effect. Yeah, okay. With that being said, you still believe that she should do some time in the big house? I think that at least warrants uh, some type of investigation. It has to be examined to see, you know, what was done. And I know they, I'm sure they did some type of an internal investigation to see if she stayed within policy and so forth. And, you know, I, I don't really know what the results of that were. Because with you, they covered policy, right? I mean, there was a, oh, yeah, a specific yeah. policy. Mm -hmm. If you had been in her place, would you have deployed your taser? If I had a taser, sure. Yeah. You would have. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, and, I, and do you think that the officers today almost hesitate a little bit more? Yes. And why? Uh, I think it's more because of, like, this particular case. And it's not that it didn't deserve... Uh, attention in a way but it's suddenly like your your whole life is just out in public domain and uh, you look at whoever police you look at dr fauci you know people are calling him and threatening his life they're threatening his wife they're threatening his children and you know my presumption would be that the same thing was going on with uh you know the officers that were involved there and all that and so there's that consideration of it. And they almost hesitate to the point where it could end up hurting them. Mm -hmm. They could end up, you know, hesitating and they would end up getting hurt. First. They would get hurt. So when pulling the taser and you're thinking you're trying to hurry up and end something in a way that you're trained, you probably don't even glance down what is in your hand. You're just hoping that you can stop this thing from happening. Yeah, that's probably a fair assessment. I mean, that's your yeah. intention. It's like the taser is, it's non-lethal is the wording that doesn't mean people can't die from it that's why it's less lethal is sometimes how they're worded because mm -hmm. you know there's instances where people have been tased and they've died as a result of other medical issues or something that they may have had unbeknownst to the time that you were deploying it mm -hmm. but uh hmm. even even being tased and falling and hitting your head or falling and falling off of something tasing them at the right time and that's all part of the uh, policies and procedures on that whole thing too when you see officers on TV like this, Kim Potter, and other officers who've been involved in situations, and there have been a lot been involved in a situation just like her, but when officers are on the stand and you're saying, well, I'm not, remember last week you said, I've kind of drifted away, I'm, I'm in the world of retirement, and I don't look back anymore, or something along those lines. I'm about to play it back. But <laughs> Go ahead, mock me. <laughs> Well, when you retired, you're like, I don't care anymore. But anyway, when you see officers on the news who are, you see them go through something, you go, holy cow, I could see how that accidentally could have happened or how an officer could have made a mistake like that. Where does your heart go? There's two things. Where does your heart go? And then where does your head, your mind go after that? Uh, initially, I'm like, man, I'm glad that wasn't me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think back 
uh, a long time ago. I was a uniform officer, and shorten up a long story, a couple of us got sent out to a wooded area where someone said, oh, we saw a guy with this AK-47 in camouflage mm-hmm. back in this wood area. So we're in there, you know, we're going through, we've got shotguns and handguns, and, and we find them, and uh, it's dark out. And I can see the silhouette, and it ends up being, it looks like an Uzi or a MAC-10, something like mm-hmm. that. And I think everybody had pressure on the triggers, and some uh, sergeants yelling, don't you, don't you, don't you. Well, it ends up that it was a uh, uh, Japanese foreign exchange student that spoke very little English, mm. and they're playing capture the flag with a couple of people. <sighs> and if any one of us would have pulled the trigger, would we have been justified? Sure. Because we were told there's somebody with an AK-47, mm-hmm. and we see the silhouette, and it was being pointed at the sergeant. Mm. Mm. But then the truth comes out, the rest of the story, that it's this foreign exchange student that doesn't speak English, you know, and we're yelling at him, and who knows, I'm sure they understood yelling, but they weren't really expecting police in the woods. Right, right. And, you know, so I think about that, and I think about some of these things that happen. And I know that... Uh, I'm pretty confident that she didn't get up in the morning and go, you know, I hope I shoot somebody today. Right, right, right. Yeah, there's been situations where you have those close calls and you're mm-hmm. glad it didn't go one more step or you could be the one on the news. You could be the one on the news. Yeah, so you think to yourself, I'm glad it's not me. <laughs> but does your heart kind of go out to them, it, though? It, it goes out to them. And as we've talked about before, uh, I think it's, uh, again, going back to training that 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 uh, when money gets tight, when budgets are cut back, you know, one of the first things to go is we're not going to train. We're not going to send any schools, you know, because we don't have the money for it. And, you know, was this a training problem? It could be, hmm. you know. Yeah, okay. I'll follow you there. What All do right. you think? I mean, when you see this, what are you thinking? Well, I, again, me, and I think you heard me on my soapbox last week, I'm all blue, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and I know there's brown out there and there's gray and blue or whatever whatever color. I'm law law enforcement. I, I'm, I love it, okay? Mm-hmm. I love the fact that it hurts me when I see something like this happens and when it's so close to it was an accident, it was a mistake. And I know people are going to say, well, you shouldn't have killed this person or you shouldn't have injured them or whatever. I get all of that. But you have to also understand, too, that – when you're trained in the academy that everybody out there is trying to kill you <laughs> and every time you go to a training you get shot with those rubber bullets and it hurts and they're like you need to be prepared because this can happen and and you leave they're like okay you go to the groceries and you think the lady you know ringing up your groceries is going to kill you it's giving like, you change back and you're shooting at her <laughs> yeah i mean that makes it really hard to separate that sometimes but my heart goes out to these officers because i know what they're out there doing i know they're trying to do it right and they make this mistake and it's big when you make a mistake like that it, there's no coming back from that one so is it a training thing i think it's a training thing in two ways sometimes you're not getting enough and sometimes you get overloaded with the bad side and the scary side that it makes you on edge all the time so it's a training thing yes again we go back to the other part what are you as an individual doing? How are you trying to train on your own? What are you doing? What books are you reading? What other training are you seeking out? Who are you talking to? But, man, it, it hurts my heart to see an officer uh, get hemmed up. But then there's those other officers that we've seen 
who like, mm, yeah, there's no way you were right in what you did. Okay? And don't even try and justify what you did because you, there's no justifying it. Right, right. But the ones right there in that on that on that fine line, it is it is hard for me to watch. So, yeah, I I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, it does. It it's hard for me also because um, one of the things that you and I really worked hard at was to. Uh, uh, maintain the integrity of the badge and the job, and it's you know constantly being undermined in different ways. And so when you see this happen, it's like, ah, man, here's one more thing that makes it harder and more dangerous for good police officers because people start to think that that's how everybody is, and and it's not. You know, there are. Uh, I, I can't imagine the number of police officers that watch that and they're <laughs> screaming at the TV set yeah. and uh, yeah. knowing now when I go on my shift, you know, I'm going to be confronted with this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So someone's always going to ask you about it mm-hmm. and make you feel like you did it. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, that wasn't me, but that's that person. And uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's rough. It is rough, but it's the world we live in. And I hate to say that because that just seems so like an – an easy out. Do you think that police officers are living in a different, at a different danger level than they did when you were on? Do you think there's more people out to get the police versus when you were on? I think there's uh, more people willing to push an agenda. So yes, uh, I think that <laughs> that. Uh, um, you know, we don't want to. I don't want to wander off into some of the riot. Uh, that was going on the protests in Fort Wayne, you know, I mean, that, that can be another podcast, but you know, things started there and, and people are throwing rocks at the police and they're hitting the cars that were stopped in traffic They're throwing frozen water bottles, you know, at the police. And, and, uh, you know, back in the sixties, it was kind of that way. And then things settled down a little bit and it just seems to be, uh, everybody's got strong opinions about things anymore. And if, if you don't agree with whatever it is, attack it. So, okay, you, you, you answered it, but you didn't really answer the questions. Yeah, I was paying attention. Do you think that the police today? <laughs> yes, yes, I think they do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice try. Remember, we both did interviewing <laughs> interrogation classes. <laughs> it was a roundabout answer, Mr. Politician. <laughs> so I just wanted to know if that was any different, but... I still believe in my heart that there's way more good people than there are bad people. Oh, absolutely. That the sure. police, even today, are dealing mm-hmm. with. And are there bad, a lot of bad situations of bad things? Yes. But I think that there's more, still way more good people. And that's why I always say that, hey, have fun with your job because those good people, you're going to run into them a whole lot more than you are those bad people because they're a small percentage. And when you hit that good person, who started out that you thought on that traffic stop as a bad person, you can easily take your foot off the gas mm-hmm. and make their day enjoyable. <laughs> so that interaction they had with you is not as way it, what it started out to be. You follow me? I remember there was a time when uh, I enjoyed, uh, when I was on patrol, going through neighborhoods. And, you know, you take your time and you might wave and see people or talk or whatever. And uh, uh, when they were trying to have officers account for their time there was one particular commander that referred to it as parading through the neighborhood and that parading through a neighborhood should not count for any kind of productive time in the course of your shift really (laughs) okay (laughs) 
That was a bad uh, instructor there. That's a bad. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Parade. So when you were parading, were you throwing out like candy to the kids or anything? <laughs> no. Okay. I'm going to take that no. as a no. No. <laughs> yeah. No. But, but it happens. I mean, and I don't think you had any more or any less time back then either. I still, in my mind, I believe it was the same. It'd be interesting to see call for service numbers. Well, then you have to do the whole population thing then, too. Yeah, well, you know, we'd have to take our shoes off to count numbers okay. and stuff. Okay, right. so we're, we're not doing that. that no. But, you know, no. So, no. So, no, I just, I I see these stories on the news. I mean, you can turn the news on anytime and see a police story. But a lot of it is our own fault. Uh, we are our own worst enemy in a lot of the things that we do that make the news. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, even when you go out and do something good, a lot of times you won't even hear about that. It's they're waiting for something bad to happen that you have done. And when you look into it, it's something that you probably shouldn't have been doing to begin with. And then you wonder, well, well that makes everybody look bad. And that's when I sit back and go, holy cow, you know, can we get a break? <laughs> it it uh, hurts me when I see an officer in the, in the newspaper, local paper, they've done something, good or bad, and then... Um, the reporter gets their personnel file that they can see and they say, well, and then, you know, he got, uh, or she got, uh, because they had a crash, they got written up, they had another car crash, they had this, da, 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 and they list all this other stuff as well. And so it's like, uh, you know, they, if, if something good that's mentioned in there also, if they got meritorious service citation or something like that, but it's like, why don't we just focus on what's right in front of us? You know, and I'm sure someone will argue that we're looking for patterns here. And if someone has a pattern, you know, something needs to be done with them. Well, that's not for the newspaper to bring up. I agree. That's, <laughs> what, that's what the chief of police and his command people and all that should be looking at. Right, right. So, I mean, you just report the news. Don't try to make the news. That That's a lot that's been happening, too. But, yeah, yeah um, good, good training officers, bad training officers, good and bad training. Uh, you mentioned something, I think it may have been last week. I can't remember if it was this week or last week. We keep going. Something about a Georgia police <laughs> state. Oh, PR-24. The yeah. PR-24. Yeah. Was that considered bad training to you? <laughs> for the number of people I saw that got shoulder injuries out of it from practicing it, you know, and, and that's just in training and they're they're having <laughs> surgical procedures. It doesn't really seem like that's, you know. So Anecdotally speaking... Now, wait, okay, you were a trainer at one time. Oh, here we so, go. Oh, no. So what's your perspective when you're trying to train people and you can see, all right, they're not taking it serious. These are, they're goofing mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so how do you, how do you spread the training evenly so that you know everybody's, you know, did you call out those that were, that were wandering off to the corner or were talking and gossiping? I'm, I'm going to answer that with a no. I did not. Okay, and I'm going to go back, but then I'm going to get onto your your point here. People, you may not know what a PR24 is. That's a baton that has a little handle on it that goes the opposite direction of the uh, baton. And if you remember back in the day, you can probably look it up on YouTube or whatever, Rodney King. I think Rodney King was like one of the first ones I saw actually hit with one of these batons. But if you watch it, they were not using the baton the way the PR-24 was designed. Exactly. They were using it like the old straight stick. Uh, Right. And at that time, myself and another instructor uh, by the name of Kevin Zelt, we went to the captain at the academy and said, hey, these PR-24s are not what we need. We need to just have a straight baton. 
and use it the way it's supposed to be done. He said, well, you send out a survey to all the officers and let them respond back if they want to carry it or not carry it and what are they doing with it. And we did get a lot of them back, and there were some funny ones. Some said it's using to prop their door open in the house. Keep the trunk open on yeah. their car. Yep. <laughs> some yeah. said they don't know where it's at. You know, <laughs> they got a shirt hanging on it to dry out. I mean, and when we got these back, I mean, we sat around and laughed about it, but he saw that no one was using the thing. Well, so we started putting on a class on the straight baton. We took back all the PR-24s. I actually got a couple of them, uh, souvenirs here at the house, but just to show my grandkids what it looked like back in the day. Back in the old days. <laughs> we had a Georgia police state <laughs> takedown, but anyway. So now back to the other part. As an instructor, when you're in the academy and you're teaching uh, over 400-something officers, you know there's going to be a group of them that are sitting in the back <laughs> that are not paying attention. You know the ones up in the front are the young ones, and it just slowly goes by years. You graduate to the back. I finally made my way to the back, and there's a lot of laughter going on back in the back back then. There's some that were asleep, but you figured out how much you could do. You did what you needed to do, and those who participated, participated. Those who didn't, didn't. And now we're right back to this Kim Potter. Mm -hmm. She could have been one in the back who wasn't listening. I'm just making that up. If she's listening, hey, or her family, we don't know. But I'm just giving you an example how easy that can happen mm -hmm. that you almost work your way out of training. But as the instructor, you don't call anybody out. Why? Because you're in front of a bunch of cops. Half of them don't want to be there. Some are asleep. Some are finishing up a report that they got to do. But they're just getting in their hours. Some are third shift, and they work yeah. the night before, right. and they're coming in because there's... And they don't want to hear it. Yeah. They don't want you to correct them. So you give. You you know what you're like? You're like a pastor in church. You preach it, and you're not there trying to make them learn it or believe in it. You just present it, and then you walk away. That, that's all you can do. And then you document who was there, who wasn't there. I can't go to court one day and say, did they pay attention in class? I don't know. I didn't pay attention half the time. I was looking for something funny. <laughs> You know, in the front, when in my first year, I was up front. I had a pen and paper taking notes, and those guys are, what are you doing that for? Come to find out, we're not taking a test? No. So pretty soon, the next year, I moved to the seat behind me. A little bit lower, a <laughs> little bit lower, <laughs> dropping the standards. So, so can you see how you can accidentally do something because you didn't pay attention in training, or you worked your body and your, your muscle memory, like you talked about, right out of it, and not realizing that one day you need that. So, boy, that was a long answer to your question. Did I? Did they pay attention? No, I'm being honest with you. No, I know they didn't. I saw a guy with a newspaper one day. I didn't say a word to him. You know, out of the academy, my first in-service, you know, I'm still marching the wall and squaring corners and terrified. And I sit in there, and then some guest instructor, and somebody in the group passes gas. And, and Yep. Guess we're not in the academy anymore. That's real professional. <laughs> yeah, there's a bunch of guys. You have to know your audience, man. Yeah, I'm telling yeah, you so. Yeah. But uh, we we tried. Trust me. Every every instructor is trying to do it right, and they're presenting what it is they're uh, certified in, and it's you deciding if you're going to take it or not. They can't hammer. Can they give you a test? Sure. They give you a little test, but yeah. you know what you're doing. You're looking at the person next to you, and it's true, true, false, false, true, true, true. <laughs> you move on. <laughs> so, but they want to rate you in something. But it's it's the individual. It all comes down to the individual. Come on, you act like you got questions for me. Fire no, away. No, Come on, no, we're, we're doing I, good. I, well, I I just think that this illustrates um, again with policing um, that day, the day that uh, Kim Potter 
mistakenly, whatever, you know, grabbed her gun, thinking taser. Mm -hmm. That same day, all across the world, police officers all across the world, probably uh, a large number, drew their tasers and deployed them properly, wrote a report, end of story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, no one's looking at that. We're not looking at the literally thousands of uh, taser deployments that day alone, let alone the week, the month, the year, et cetera. But what uh, we as a country or a nation are good at is when something like this happens, you know, we'll really examine it and look at it and decide and how could this happen and so forth and so on. There'll be a lot of noise and this and that. But I would project that has training changed that much since this incident happened? I don't know. That's a good question. We should probably get an instructor from the academy on one day and just kind of ask them a lot of that. A lot of the questions you asked me because I know – I know they weren't listening. Yeah. And I can't say the whole group, but I know a large number of them were not listening. And that's the problem with not listening is that's how things like this happen. You get complacent and, you know, you don't stay sharp with things. And, and it's the end of the day. And uh, she said, I wouldn't have pulled this car over if I was driving by myself, but uh, I had a trainer. That's right. You know, so, uh, and they kind of, there was two things I got pulled over for. I, I can't believe that having an air freshener on your inside mirror, mm-hmm. that's uh, like an infraction. Right, because it uh, obstructs your view. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, then, of course, the license plate was expired, so at least there's a l- more legitimate. But nonetheless, uh, that's also the danger of policing. You know, we can look at a lot of different incidents where something seemingly insignificant, expired license plate, uh, there was... Uh, a shooting in Fort Wayne a number of years ago where a state trooper and one of our officers responded to somebody shooting fireworks and it ends up to a shooting and the trooper got shot in the head and suffered a traumatic oh, yeah. brain injury. Yeah. And uh, uh, there was a trooper over by Wabash that disabled vehicle at the side of the road. He stopped to help them, got out. The car was stolen out of Michigan. Guy uh, jumps out with a shotgun, kills the trooper, and then kills himself. Mm. It's easy to become complacent, and then bad things happen. But then you're you're on the edge too much, and then you're that you're that over aggressive. You're stressed out. You're, you know, I can remember during in service training one year we had like two or four hours of uh, uh, video from traffic stops where the officer was killed. So yeah. so you don't think for the next week and a half or two weeks, IA was getting a ton of excessive force complaints because <laughs> everybody's freaking out because we just watch, you know, we only watch them die, but we're hearing them gasp their last breath. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. you know, that sure drove a point home. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, I remember those. I mean, I went, actually went to an entire uh, weekend. Well, I want to say weekend was two-day class. Uh, Caliber Press puts on a really good school of uh, officer uh, street survival, and it's a lot of those videos. And man, you're just you're just beat up after the first day because that's all you see. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, they show you how did these officers, some other officers, survived a similar situation like that. And yeah, you get back and and you're you're scared to pull the car over. <laughs> you think everybody is is out to jump get you. out and start shooting at yeah, you. Yeah, so you're on high alert and you have to learn to tone it back down and and. Uh, and again, that so off of that, but you never were a training officer on the street, right? Correct. Okay. So I was wondering how that, if ever you had the chance to do that kind of thing after being trained, did you do anything any different than what you had? But you kind of semi, you, you trained people up in the detective bureau without them knowing they were being trained. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's probably a good way to describe it. I would just, you know, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we'd talk about cases or whatever, and if they needed some help, and you know, uh, or if I had something interesting, I'd, you know, hey, you know, come help me with this. You know, mm-hmm. let's let's go do interviews, or uh, you know, let's do practice interviews. We'll pull somebody in here that you kind of know, but you know, let's just set up a scenario where they're a suspect. In, and we'll run through the whole process of interviewing, doing the the uh, uh, consents and everything, and and actually just do an interview, hmm. mm-hmm. rather right. than like you know you get your first one, ah, okay, well, <laughs> and and you're like, oh man, this is bad. <laughs> did you do it? You you did it, didn't you? <laughs> you did. You oh, you looked left. Your eyes went left. <laughs> Down into the right, down into the right. <laughs> we have to pair it in here. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I remember those days. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. But see, you took the time. You took the time and to help someone along the way, and that's what it's all about. So, good or bad? We're talking about just good and bad instructors. Did you have a good or bad trainer? Um, I can remember almost every one of mine, and I probably wasn't the best for them, <laughs> you know, because they had to put up with a lot of me. But, yeah, I learned a lot, and then I had to, like you said, go out and do it. I mean, I was just 21 going into 22. Wow. And, I mean, think about it, 21-year-old mine. I mean, I was really young. And I'm going into houses and waiting on your backup in a family fight and you know, being the first one there and walking slowly yeah, up to the sure door. wish some other people get here. <laughs> As you whistle. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that was uh, really different. But uh, it obviously, it worked. I'm, I'm, I made it all the way through longer than I planned on stand, but I enjoyed every bit of it. I enjoyed it all. So let me ask you this. Going back to Kim Potter, mm-hmm. what would you do different for training Given kind of what we've seen with her, what would you change about training? Yeah, because we were just saying, did anything change after her? So what would you think would be a good direction to take new training or to review and look at what happened? It is it is hard to train like that unless you put people under stress. And she was clearly under stress. Everybody was under oh, stress man. in that yeah. entire thing. So you would have to make your training more real. And I mean, as a basketball coach, you can't create the pressure in a game unless you create unless they're running and moving and they're breathing hard. That's the only way. So you'd have to say, okay, before we do this next scenario, you got to take a lap or half a lap, and then you come running up to the car. I mean, that heart rate pumping and everything, having to breathe and slow down. You've got to think, how do I create stress in training? A little bit of running, get on a jump rope, and then come in, and then we're going to go through it. So that would be the thing too. Um, Making them do it over and over and over, muscle memory, muscle memory, and uh, even changing it up. I mean, hey, blindfold them. <laughs> you got to reach and yeah. get that taser. Does it feel like a gun in your hand or not? Even though you're stressed, you got to be creative. You have to be creative. But then again, you run into that situation where part of the class won't do it. This guy can't run a half a lap. <laughs> You know, you don't you like to, to talk def- about it, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the academy, there's standards, but once you're out, it's up to you if you want to keep it or not. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so you're concerned about him, so you got the defibrillator already strapped <laughs> to him, running behind him. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Somebody hit him with the taser. <laughs> so, yeah, you'd have to do more real-life training and more pressure situations where they have to think. I mean... Uh, I mean, when I was a defensive tactics instructor, I remember they blindfolded us and made us go in circles. They would mm-hmm. turn us around, turn us around, and then all of a sudden take it off, and then you're being attacked. And you've got to, with your head spinning, 
pull it together enough to fight this person off of you. And believe it or not, you can do it. Under stress, your mind can go right to focus on what needs to be done, and it will work. But then again, I was that guy who wanted the training. Even though I yeah. sat in the back, yucking it up, because there was always something funny in the class, but I was the first one in line when it came to training. So I was a little weird. Call me weird or something, and I don't know if I like getting punched or kicked. I don't know. <laughs> you like being challenged, well, trying to be better. Well, thank you. You know, it's it, in a way, it's too bad that, uh, uh, and this is just uh, a concept, but like micro training. So it, it's a slow Thursday night on your shift, you know, Winner, winner. So let's take a couple minutes, get a couple people together, and let's let's create a scenario. You know, let's get the tasers out, or let's do something. You know, let's let's meet at the parking lot or public park or something like that. And let's set up a scenario that's controlled so that you know it can't be any, anything with firearms. Mm-hmm. But you know, let's mm-hmm. try and set something up. Let's let's do some training, and uh, you know, it's one of those that sounds like a good idea. But when you would try and do it, yep. you'd have all the guys in the back row going. Argh! that's not gonna happen yeah yeah and uh but you know as well as i do it's hard to teach people who believe they know everything (laughs) their cup is full yeah you can't tell me nothing i I read a book okay you know what i saw a movie i watched one adam 12 and they did it this way all right so yeah it's hard to teach people who don't want to learn and know everything so yeah it training is uh expensive training is time consuming training is hard to make people do but do you know if kim potter's trainers at the academy do you know if they were subpoenaed in to testify i don't know mm-hmm. i mean when, when you were training or keeping in touch with other people that were training at the academy had you ever heard of instances where training records were pulled and somebody mm-hmm. had to come and oh yeah you know Yep. Internal affairs or something yep. like that. Yep, you have to, and if you go to court, you got to have all that stuff down. And would they pull you as the instructor? Yep. Would you be the one? Oh yeah. Did you and ever do it? Never had to go to court. And as an instructor, even the people when you're gone, if that person you trained gets They'll in trouble, yeah, <laughs> and you're sitting on the beach somewhere and you Beats get a the old folks home, you're at the old policeman's home, <laughs> and they wheel me in. <laughs> That's when I just act like I can't hear. <laughs> Knowing darn well, I know what you're saying. <laughs> what? They said, just get him out of here. And as soon as they, they get me out in the hall, I'll stand up and walk away. <laughs> but, yeah, that's the fear you had. And you had you, that's the understanding you had, too. You get better to do good records on everything you're doing and what you're, what you're teaching. Because when they go out there and say, well, he told me to do this in the last class. It's like, no, I didn't. Because here's, yeah, here's, you know, and, yeah. and here's, is this your signature that mm-hmm. says, I acknowledge. And I was at that training and I paid attention and we taught this. So, yeah, you can monkey around in the class all you want. But when it comes time for it, you, the first thing you're going to do is point a finger and try to blame. That's the way you were trained. Yeah. So, are they trained me this way? And we've heard that before. <laughs> I don't want to bring that story up. That's on another podcast. But. True. But, you know, you also have to look at evolution of training. You know, I was talking about when I was a reserve and it was, you know, draw, fire one shot, mm-hmm. holster the weapon. So that's how I was trained back right. then. And then, you know, it started getting better because it wasn't that that was wrong. There was just a better way to do it. Right. Because, uh, you know, I, I think it's actually urban legend, the story that, you know, they were trained to, with their six shooters. They would dump the, the empty shells into their hand right. so they didn't have to pick up the range. And supposedly they were finding dead officers. I think that's an urban legend. I don't know if that's true. Mm-hmm. But it stands to some reason you could see how that could happen. Because right. I, I had to consciously on couple from, 
drawing, shooting, and trying to holster my weapon as fast as I could. Right. Future years, it was like they had us shoot, scan, right. left, right, low ready, mm-hmm. and then maybe holster the weapon, which is a much, much, much better. It makes more sense. Yeah. But see, back then, you thought that the way they were teaching. Ah, this is the way to do it. <laughs> I'm sure they were thinking it was a safety issue also because you've got, you know, at the time, you would just have everybody in a long line. Yeah. And so uh, trying to keep the range safe, you didn't want, you know, it's <laughs> like this is not working. You know, I heard a story from oh. <laughs> a trusted range master that saw someone have a, uh, a misfire. I don't know. They, they had a, uh, a round in there, but it didn't discharge. Mm-hmm. And they literally took the gun back and they looked down the barrel. <laughs> yeah. Wonder why it didn't come why out. Why it didn't come out. So they took yeah. a pencil and started shoving it in there. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's true. If it happened, I can see it happening. Well, and and I, the person that told me that, I it's the truth because I know them and what you know what they said. I, I well, without question. So you think about that, and that's why when you've got a line of people, you have to be conscientious of you know who's doing what. Well, they wake you, make you uh, wear your vest now. I Before, think that's brilliant. Yeah, they never they could no. care less. You go in there and well, they started making you wear your vest like almost from the first day of the academy, which is good, mm-hmm. so that you get used to wearing it. You know, and you you it's just part of. Right, and you just had it on all the time. Mm-hmm. And when I did uh, qualifications after I retired, and I went to a different agency. Uh, you know, we'd have practice, and no one's wearing a vest or anything, and and it was just like, well, of course, vests weren't issued, and not everybody uh, when they retired could keep keep things that were issued to them hmm. and so it was just weird you know it's like i'm the only one wearing a vest here yeah well <laughs> oh well <laughs> you want to come out in one piece yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's okay too yeah there was a, there's good training officers and there's bad training officers and uh you have to pick and choose and then there's good training but you got to decide if you want to training that's about how that works mm-hmm. but yeah i don't know what the final outcome was for uh the officer potter um, she took this young man's life, but, uh, and she'll always have to live with that no matter what, mm-hmm. you know, she'll always carry that with her. That's, uh, like the, it's not the sum of her law enforcement career, but that's certainly, you know, the end note on her law enforcement career. Right. And we were, we were trying to get the young man's name down cause I haven't given him justice on his name. Dante, right? Is that the right pronunciation? We, we kicked it around and I messed it up. Dante, Dante, Wright. Dante Wright. It was yep. uh, like 23, 20, oh, 21. 20 in here. 20. Yeah. 20-year-old. Yeah. Yep, Dante Wright. Yeah. I mean. Feel sorry for the family. Sad for everybody, but mm-hmm. it comes back to training. It really does. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's all about training. All right, Matt. I'm sure you're going to hit me the minute we head into next week. You're going to hit me with something else <laughs> that I didn't bring up that I should have said. And uh, I keep asking fo- folks I know, I'm, I'm like you. You want Matt to ask me questions, but Matt's afraid to because <laughs> he doesn't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> he just sits there like. So I get oh. this wild look on my face where you're like, well, where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt, I always enjoy talking to you. I always enjoy having you uh, come on the show. I'm trying to get you as a regular. And the emails are coming in that people love you, but you keep saying that it's just me writing them. <laughs> But I know how you misspell stuff. It's like oh, that's that's him. It's got to be me. So no, yeah. no, mm-hmm. uh, nothing but good reviews. And uh, when my daughter gives me a thumbs up, we know we're good. But uh, we'd love to have you all the time. It's kind of like when Oprah had Doctor Phil. Oh man. <laughs> 
Cleveland, let's get real. <laughs> See, then also Dr. Phil went off on his own. See, but when when Dr. Phil was with Oprah, it was good. He was good. But when he went off on his own, I don't know what happened on that one. But we won't look. Let's not even talk you about. You know, it. I had somebody once tell me that I was a handsome. I looked like Dr. Phil, except I was handsome. So I took that as a nice compliment. Okay, we're going to move on, folks. <laughs> I don't know where we're going with that one. Okay, Oprah. <laughs> wow. I see what he's saying. <laughs> folks, uh, again, thanks for tuning in. Matt, th- okay, you're done? I'm trying, I'm to, I'm done. trying to bring it in. Yeah. Sorry, brother. <laughs> okay. Matt, thanks for being here. We really do appreciate Thank it. Thank you for having me. All right, and folks, again, thanks for listening to Police Pod Talk, and you will catch us again next week. Thanks again for hanging out with us. Remember, you can always go to policepodtalk at gmail.com or check us out on Facebook at Cleveland Junior or Police Pod Talk. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.